You're listening to the best of the Visualize You show. To celebrate my first year of podcasting, I'm counting down the top 30 episodes to celebrate all of my amazing guests and just how much fun I've had over the last 12 months. At number 27, how to make your creative business more profitable with guest expert Stephanie Desolnier. Welcome to the Visualize You podcast. I'm your host, Beth Hewitt. I'm a spiritual performance coach, helping you go from unfulfilled to passionately living your purpose. You'll learn how to create a crystal clear vision for your life so that you can change direction with confidence and have a career or start a business that is more in alignment with your true soul's calling. Each week on the show, I'll talk about topics such as the art of visualization, scripting, manifesting and the law of attraction and I'll bring you interviews with inspirational people who have taken that path already so you can learn the practical skills that will help you do the same. Welcome everybody to this episode of Visualize You. I'm joined today by Stephanie Dazone and she is going to tell us about her journey, a double pivot journey of moving from a geologist into a sewing business and now what she does today with a business consultant and course creator. Welcome Stephanie to the show. Thank you so much for having me Beth. You're welcome. So let's jump right in. So one of the first things I like to do is just find out a little bit more about you on a personal professional level what you were doing previously, and then how you came to be doing what you do today. Yeah, I started my professional career as a geologist. I went to college for a degree in geology. I actually went to college for a degree in architecture, and I lasted six weeks. That was miserable. (laughs) But I got a degree in geology because I enjoyed being outside, and it was very hands-on, it was very exciting, and it wasn't like most other college courses where you're just sitting in a classroom all the time. And I went into working in environmental consulting for eight years. I actually ended up with a master's degree in environmental pollution control, which I loved and it was fantastic. But I don't know if you know anything about the field of environmental work, but it's a lot of travel and it's a lot of outside. I worked as a geologist for eight years, but it's a lot of travel and it takes time away from family. And once I got married and we started thinking about having kids, that, that became an issue and a struggle for us. Yeah. So then I was just trying to find something else. And my dad actually was like a supply chain professor at a university. And so I'd always been surrounded by discussions about business and business process. I was like, I really want to know what it's like to actually run a business. This sounds really cool, but nobody's going to take a geologist. Hey, you want to try to come run in my business here? So I looked around for something I could do and I knew how to sew and I knit and knitters love project bags, like cotton fabric Uh bags, store their projects in. And so I was like, I could probably make these and sell these and just learn a little bit. So I started up that business and it was weird because I started it up because I was like, I really want to learn what bookkeeping is like. And I really want to learn what like marketing is like and how do you do sales and how do you plan? Uh It was more about the operations behind the business than the actual business. That's interesting. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun and it eventually got to the point where I couldn't produce enough on my own to keep up. I, at that point I had my son and he was 18 months old and then I had my daughter. So I had a toddler and a newborn and I can't keep up. 
So I actually ended up outsourcing it to a local manufacturer who started producing all of my products, which allowed me to quadruple my business, which was fantastic. So at that point then, so there must've been a market for it at that point. So you'd got people that were wanting these orders fulfilled. Yes. Was that a quick journey then from going from the inception and starting that business to then moving to the manufacturing? It it was a little bit of a slower process just because I was still working full-time as a geologist for the first few years. Right. And so I wasn't dedicating a whole lot of time to it. But then once my son was born, I stopped working and I had a lot more time to focus on it. And that's when it really started scaling. That's when I really started taking advantage of connecting with podcasters and like video bloggers for knitting and going to more events and festivals and really promoting it hard because now I didn't have another source of income for myself. So can you identify that moment when you decided to pivot away from geology? The the pivot really came when my husband got a job and we were going to be moving and my son was five months old and we were moving to the middle of nowhere. And the nearest town for environmental job was 45 minutes away. And I was just not ready to spend an hour and a half every day away from my son. That's, that was just too much for me. And so I was like, I can't go back to doing that work. I can't go back to traveling all the time and being exhausted. And so that pivot really happened Mm -hmm. because my family's life was changing by this move and it gave me a good opportunity to leave the environmental field and start focusing on this. I think that's, that's so interesting to hear. I think Sometimes we, we wait for the opportunity to, to present itself. I'll do this when this is in place. Or, and I think actually being able to take hold of a situation and go, actually, how my life's changing anyway. How yeah. can this part of my life also change and fit into that new part of my life? So you started that business. You scaled that business. When did you start to move into support small businesses doing the same kind of thing or going on the similar journey? We had moved to a new town. I'm working on growing my bag business and it's starting to go really well. And I'm walking into these independently owned businesses in this this rural area that I'm living in. And I'm seeing these people struggling. It's an area that had been economically depressed. All the jobs relied on one single uh, manufacturing facility there. And so like the coffee shops and the quilting shop and the few restaurants that even existed there were really having a hard time. And I could see that they were struggling. And I felt that I had, I had answers for them. I'd spent all these years building my business and researching my business. Like I said, my dad was an academic in business. And so I talk about this all the time, but there was, I I was a woman who owned a sewing business who had been a geologist. And again, I still felt inferior. Like I can't go to these businesses and be like, Hey, I have something to offer you. Like I could help you. Like you could work together. You could do really well. That just felt, that still felt very like overstepping. I don't think that's the right word, but it, I, I was still very insecure in my own knowledge, I think. Right. And I, I didn't believe that I was the right person to go in and help them, but I wanted to be. What changed? What made your mindset flip to say, actually, I can do this. I have got yeah. something to offer. So we had another life change. We had moved to this town. We lived there for 18 months. I thought we were going to be there for a decade. And my husband gets another job back home by my parents. So we move again because why not at this point? And we're moving. And my father, whom I had mentioned, he actually had received an unexpected opportunity to open a co-working space. And his big vision was to use the co-working space to work with small businesses. And if there's anyone who's going to take a chance on a geologist who has a sewing business to help (laughs) other small businesses, I hope it's your dad, right? (laughs) Yeah. So I actually convinced him to let me come in alongside him when it started out just 
backend stuff, growing the co-working community and all uh-huh. that, but it, it actually grew into leading and facilitating and creating educational programs for the small businesses in our area. And so this co-working space, was it also about attracting businesses into the co-working space and then supporting them once they're, they're in there? Yeah. What kind of educational programs would be delivered to them? We had a pretty big run of educational programs. So we would do free lunch and learns. We'd partner with banks on like financial management for small businesses, or we'd partner with financial planners on the unique needs of a small business owner. Cause you don't get a 401k from your company. You don't have the typical retirement avenues. We also did a lot of the more basic stuff. I find in the handmade business world, especially it's very challenging for people to price their products accurately they tend to underprice rather than overpricing. And the mindset behind that is is really interesting. So we would do a lot of work on mm-hmm. where your pricing falls, or we would work on understanding who your customers actually are. Everyone talks about the ideal customer avatar and, and things like that. We would work through that with them. We would help them understand what their profit and loss statement is. Do you know, like small business owners, it blows my mind. So many of them don't understand what their profit and loss statement and balance statement are telling them. Yeah. So we would give them a kind of a bird's eye view of here's what this is telling you about the health of your business. We'd run workshops on the whole gamut, everything from marketing and operations and production and finances and and even into ethics. Hi, listener. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I thought we'd just pause a moment to let you know that there is so much waiting for you at my website, bethhewitt.com where you can access free downloads access the visualize you free facebook community where i go live every single week plus you can learn about the power of scripting access the visualization vault and find out more about my membership visualize and thrive so go check it out and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast head to bethhewitt.com and i can't wait to connect with you real soon now let's get on with the show those businesses within that, within that co-working space, there was, were many of them in the handmade industries. It, it was a real Services mix. and yeah. Yeah. Most of the people who use the space on a regular basis were software developers. That uh-huh. seems to be who's attracted to co-working or who really understands it. But the classes, it was interesting. The classes attracted almost no one who was a co-working member. And it was all from around the community, people who were working in their shops or in their businesses all day, who were then coming to get that additional education. And that's a great way to get people interested in the co-working space as well. Yeah. 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 So if you had to identify one of the main lessons throughout that transition period, so you've, you you worked in the co-working space, you've got your, your business up and running, you then moved into the business consultancy. Has there been some lessons that have stood out for you during that period? Yeah, I think the biggest one is to really just trust in yourself and, mm-hmm. and that what you want to do. I could have second guessed every single decision along that way. I could have second guessed staying home and building my sewing business instead of going back to work and doubling our household income overnight instead of having to build something. I, I could have not second guessed myself and actually tried to help the businesses in that town we were living in at the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't even put myself out there and Sometimes I wonder what could have happened if I did. And going to work for family in this new concept is always overwhelming. And I I could have second guessed whether that was the right choice for me. And it's just really being confident in who you are and what you know, and that you're making the right decisions for you. Because if you overthink it, you're going to spend so much time analyzing, you're never going to do it. Yeah. Analysis paralysis. You just, you don't do anything at all because we're overthinking Mm -hmm. it. 
So let's talk about your course. And so you've got this course now for creatives. Tell us about that course and what can people get out of, of doing that course? Yeah, this course is focused on handmade businesses, artisans who are looking to have their first $50,000 year. So it's not, I'm not guaranteeing you're going to make six figures or seven figures because for a lot of these handmade businesses, thinking about six figures is really overwhelming. Mm -hmm. They just want to be able to pay their bills and support their family and earn a modest income. So this is really geared to those people who are getting started struggling to hit that 50,000 a year in revenue. And it's more of a mindset course for the first half. So it, it focuses a lot on the mindset behind feeling guilty for asking for money for your products and feeling guilty for charging what your products are actually worth and what that means and how to break past that guilt and understand the value that your customer sees in what you're doing. And then it works through how to actually plan what you're making. So many handmade businesses, they, they just make because they love to make and they don't take the time to identify what they need to be making to meet the customer demands. So work through that. And then just learning how to sell. Sell is such a like gross word in the handmade business artisans and creatives. And like, I don't like selling that just feels gross. And so working through what selling actually means in a really non like mm -hmm. car salesman way. What do you think it is about creatives that have this guilt, these ideas about their worth or their products worth? What do you think it is that holds people back? Is it because it's a labor of love? It's a it's a, it's a creative, it's a self expression. And then it, and it means so much to that person that it couldn't possibly you know, be of value to somebody else. Do you think that's part of Yeah, that's a big part of it. I constantly hear people saying, oh, I'm not charging much because I just do it in my free time. I just do it because I enjoy it. Yeah. I do it because I find it relaxing. But the people who are actually wanting to really scale it and make money with it, even then I hear, well, I feel bad charging for my product because it helps people and I want to help them and I feel bad taking their money for it. And it's almost like they feel guilty because they have such a service mind mm -hmm. that it overrides the fact that as a community or as a society, we translate value into dollars, essentially. I hate saying that, but that's how most of the world operates. And so it's working through, people are wanting to give you their money for you to help them with whatever problem you're solving and, and reconciling that. So did you always have a calling? Do you think there was like almost breadcrumbs throughout your career that have led you to this point now or dots that you can join up kind of thing? In retrospect, I would like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> One thing we didn't talk about is I actually teach an online, I teach, I taught an earth science course at a community college for a while. Right. And so I'm working as a geologist and then that lets me work as an adjunct professor, which gives me experience in educating and, and working with people to, to break through their problems. And then my small business, which led me to understanding the back end and how to work a handmade business. And so it feels like everything ultimately led to me creating this course and focusing on this audience that I really feel called to serve. But I think in the moment, over the past decade, I never would have said, oh yeah, this is all building up to one thing. It felt so disjointed, but in retrospect, every single piece led to this. Yeah, I agree with that. One of the things that I really want the listeners to kind of get out of these conversations is that we all have these kind of skills and experiences that we amass over the, the career and our journeys and that we should be, really be able to shout about them. So do you have, I like to call them superpowers, but do you have things that you would like to share with our listeners that you think really are your strengths? I really think my, my biggest strength has learned how to help people 
understand their own business. This feels so braggy, but I can walk in and sit down with a handmade business and they, I can spend half an hour with them and I can instantly have a map of here are the steps you need to take to get to where you need to go. Yeah. But, but the biggest challenge is getting that business owner to see those steps. And so I really think that's my superpower is I can sit there and help them come to these ideas on their own and realize that they already have the knowledge that they need to get their business where they need to go. They just mm-hmm. need to be confident in it. Yeah, that's a great superpower and a massive help, I'm sure, to the, to the businesses that you, you're working with. So as an entrepreneurs, then we all have different platforms and ways that we get our message and our work out into the world. Is there a particular marketing method or platform or something that's really working for you right now that you'd like to share with the listeners? Yeah. So I hang out on Instagram. Um, you can find me at business by design with a Z, not an S I'm on there sharing tidbits that I find connecting with artisans. That's, that's basically where I live these days. If anyone wants to hit me up on Instagram, that is great. And is that why you're predominantly promoting your courses? Are you doing lives, emailing people? Uh, what, what, how are you getting the the word out there. So right now people can actually join my mailing list through my Instagram account and they'll be one of the first to know when I um, go live with launching this course, but it's primarily all going to be marketed on Instagram. Fabulous. And is it a set number of weeks or is it, is the kind of group coaching or is it self-paced? What's the kind of structure of the course itself? It's primarily self-paced. So when you sign up for the course, you get lifetime access. My goal is that the course is completed in eight weeks. However, I understand that people have stuff going on. So it's, you pay once you get lifetime access Mm -hmm. and I do monthly group coaching calls. And then I will do once a month, what I call breakthrough sessions with individual business owners who are looking to dive a little deeper one-on-one for their businesses. So yeah, it's self-paced, but there's uh, once a month group calls and once a month one-on-one calls. And I love the self pace model because I think especially as creatives, yeah, you're right. There's so many other things going on and it just allows you to do that at your own speed but have that safety net of those group coaching calls as well and I think with the the group dynamic as well obviously creatives feed off one another as well so that that sounds great okay this is obviously the a show all about visualizing you what where do you see yourself going uh with this what where does your journey end or tell us a little bit about what's coming up next for you Oh man, honestly, my journey ends with having helped a thousand handmade business owners Mm -hmm. get to that 50,000 mark for them. It grows to the point where I'm leading this course and enjoying the people I'm engaging with and have the freedom to homeschool my children without stressing out about fitting everything into the schedule. My, My visualization is to really build a business that works around my family, that brings in the income I desire, but that's helping these creatives work around their families and build the income they desire. I love that. That's a great, that's a great vision for the future and just helping so many creatives do that as well. So thank you very much for sharing your story with us today. Tell us where we can find out more about you. Yeah, like I said, you can find me on Instagram at business by design. That's D-E-Z-I-G-N. Or you can check out my website. It's programs.businessbydesign.com. That's where the registration page for my course is going to be. So feel free to check that out. And my DM box is always open. Okay, I hope you really enjoyed today's show. It was a little bit shorter than usual, but there was a good amount of good stuff in there. So one of the things 
I took away from today's episode was the idea of it doesn't really matter what you're doing right now. It doesn't matter what you've done previously in your career. You can literally start a business at any point in your life with no prior experience. You can change your career at any point and just utilise the skills and experience that you've already amassed and use them in a way to give yourself a self-belief that you can do anything you put your mind to. If you are somebody who has a crafty hobby type interest and you're wondering how on earth you're going to be able to scale to 50,000 plus a year as a business owner, know that it is possible. Know that people like Stephanie can help you get there and that you don't have to sell yourself short. You don't have to put a lower price tag on your work just because maybe you do it for fun or it's just a hobby. If it's something that you're really good at and if it's something that other people can use and is a solution for them, then absolutely you should be charging what you are worth. The other thing that Stephanie really got across is the idea that you can be an entrepreneur, you can grow and scale your business, even when you have a small family or a large family or when you have a young family and it is completely doable. I really resonated when Stephanie was talking about how at some points in her life she didn't feel like she was good enough to share her skills and experiences. She didn't feel like she was the one that should be able to tell people how to do something better, that they could learn something from her. I think a lot of us feel this imposter syndrome. We all have these talents and skills, we have different perspectives and I think sometimes being completely different and so completely removed from the industry that you now seem to be in and having a backstory that is miles away from the thing that you're now doing but you are now really passionate about is actually a really great way of actually empowering people and it's actually the thing that people want to hear. When people hear that you used to be a geologist or working manking or a policeman or was a cleaner or something else, something that they would never associate with the thing that you're doing right now, I think that's even more impressive to people because it shows that big leap and stride that you made at a certain point and that, yeah, you're showing people that they could also achieve this thing as well. So I dove into the idea, dove, is that a word? You dive into something, but do you dove? I've made up a word. So I dove into the idea of co-working spaces and business support programs, because that is my background. I've spent many years managing business support programs. I've spent many years developing and building and managing programs. And I have worked with many co-working spaces and built those relationships with people who have businesses within them. And that's why I really dug into this idea. I really wanted to understand, is it different in different countries? I've worked here in the UK, but actually have people in America doing very similar business models. So if you're a startup, a pre-start business, if you're a creative business, then check out your local government organisations, check out your local enterprise partnerships, check out your growth hubs, because whatever these organisations are called in your part of the world, many of these business support programmes are absolutely free and they can be such a, not just a free tools and knowledge and experience and expertise, but they're also linked to like co-working spaces, universities, incubators, business hubs. And so they have this networking web attached to them as well, which is also a really great way to increase your business and to support you to grow it in those early years. Stephanie talks about not second guessing yourself, that you should trust yourself and what it is that you want to do. Don't overthink it too much and don't second guess the decisions and choices that you've made to this point. If you are a creative and you want the freedom to build your business around your family, 
definitely check out Stephanie's course, Confident Creators. You can do that right away by going to visualizeyou.com forward slash confident dash creators. Okay, if you have enjoyed today's show, please do leave me a review on iTunes. Every single review really helps the business to grow. It gives me more confidence and it allows me to reach more countries and to get in more people's ears and to bring you more amazing entrepreneur interviews. Okay, have a great rest of your day and I shall speak to you next week. Okay, so that's all for today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any aha moments, tag me in your social media stories and please, please, please leave me a review on iTunes. It'll really help me out. Until next time, remember to visualize you.